Brought to you by Rod and Supply and the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Here are the racing boys, Scott Trailer and Kirk Elliott. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of Track Talk here on a Saturday morning. My name is Kirk Elliott. Scott Trailer, my partner, not with us today because he is seeing about his lady and our good friend Deidre this morning going through some medical issues down at the hospital. And uh, Scott is seeing about her today, so we wish uh, Deidre all the best. And uh, Scott needs to be where he is at this morning, so he's not with us today. And we'll miss him being a part of one of our biggest shows of the year. You know, always Daytona 500 weekend is one of our big shows of the year. We don't talk a lot of NASCAR here, except when they're at Kansas Speedway. And uh, they're going to be at Iowa Speedway this year, too. So we've got three weekends of NASCAR we're going to be covering this year. So uh, we delve into uh, the grassroots racing more than we do NASCAR on this show. But we do talk about it. And obviously, the biggest weekend for NASCAR is this weekend. So we're going to talk quite a bit about that here in the first hour, about what's going on at Daytona with the 500 scheduled for tomorrow. And I say scheduled. It looks like Mother Nature is not cooperating here over the next 48 hours. They've already moved one of the races ahead. The ARCA race that was supposed to be around noon today was held last night after the Truck Series race, and it's supposed to be raining for the next 48 hours at Daytona. So whether we get anything in over the next two days is a big question right now. But we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope we get everything in as it's scheduled. But right now it looks kind of chancy. We're going to talk with Steve Post, who is one of the pit reporters for the Motor Racing Network, and you'll be able to hear the Daytona 500 on uh, over on 1510 uh, this weekend because of the uh, rain issues down there and the uncertainty about the race time. We originally were supposed to be carrying that race on Sports Radio 810 tomorrow, but... It's going to be on our sister station, 1510, and uh, ESPN Kansas City. So uh, just keep that in mind. But one of the pit reporters for the Motor Racing Network uh, coverage, Steve Post, who was working pit road last night for the Craftsman Truck Series race, will be joining us here in a little bit, give us an update everything that's gone on. We've had the uh, qualifying for the Daytona 500, that was on Wednesday night. We had the dual races on Thursday night, and we're going to play some sound from all of the winners of that. Joey Legato on the pole, and the two dual winners will have on as uh, well. Here's some sound uh, from uh, both uh, Tyler Reddick and the other uh, dual uh, race winner on Thursday night. Uh, Christopher Bell here in later on in this hour. So we'll hear from sound from that, talk about the truck series race last night and about all of the other racing that's going on down in Florida over the past couple of weeks, which, uh, you know, I have to say, uh, the racing on the dirt at Volusia East Bay Ocala has been more entertaining than what we've seen on the big track. I got, I got to be honest and say that. Because last night, and Ryan Raglan is joining us this morning. We don't, we don't have Todd Surprise with us this morning, either. Uh, the man's on the is, road. So we, we're missing Todd, and we're missing Scott. Todd is uh, making sure that his son Zach gets orientated over at the University of Missouri today. So 
Uh, he's uh, He's got a big month coming up. His daughter's going to get married here in another few weeks, and today he's making sure his son gets uh, orientated for college next year. So, uh, you know, family comes first. That's uh, that's what's all about. Always. So Ryan Raglan has been good enough to step in and help us out. And, Ryan, you know, with both Scott and Todd gone, if, if you're not here, I'm not sure we could have been able to pull this <laughs> we off. We will hold down the fort. We'll hold down the fort. So uh, Nobody's going to get hurt. It's yeah. going to go smooth. By the way, uh, I... I uh, I don't, know, I don't know whether uh, it's okay for me to say, but uh, my sympathies to you and your family. Thank you. Today. So, uh, hey, it's it's part of life. It's what happens, and uh, he's happy. It's what he wanted. I'm good with it. Yeah, your father uh, uh, passed, and are uh, all the best to you and your family. Thank you. So, appreciate it. I appreciate you being here. Yep, really. Anytime. You guys do a lot for yeah. me, and. Allow me to do things, and it's the least I could do for you. Step in for Todd when he's gone, and best wishes to Deidre and get herself taken care of. That's it. That's uh, that's what it's all about. So it seems like family anything, takes care of family, right? And, and it just seems like everything that we're going to talk about today is just not all that important. And you know, with the, with everything that's gone on in Kansas City uh, here this week, and uh, everybody was having such a great time at the Chiefs parade on Wednesday, only to have some idiots spoil it for everybody. It's just, I, I, I just can't, I just can't emphasize So you want to get into an argument. That it it's just unbelievable that things like this can happen in America. But our thoughts and prayers going out to uh, Lisa Lopez-Galvin, who lost her life. She's... Uh, She's a personality, radio personality in this town. Yeah. And she's all huge. the best to her and all of the people that were affected by that terrible tragedy uh, down at the Liberty, at the uh, Union Station. If, if anything else, sports, racing, whichever, gives you a little bit of time to separate, relax, yeah. take your mind off things for a little bit. That's a little sidebar and sometimes a therapy. This is my therapy. I think it makes us all angry, Ryan, that everybody <laughs> it was such a beautiful day. If anybody everybody was having such a great time, we could forget yep. all about all of the problems in the world. And you have a couple of just morons lights ruin it all. If anybody saw my post that know me saw my post on Facebook, I put it pretty succinctly. Yeah. I probably I was probably more mad than I, it, it bugged me the rest yeah. of the night because I have always thought from KU winning national championships, Royals winning World Series, three times Super Bowl champions for the Chiefs, parades, celebrations, everything. We didn't do things that other cities did like Denver and Philadelphia and L.A. and yeah, that just and Detroit and they, and they, you know, right. climbing, climbing the light poles, turning over cars, starting fires. We never did that. Never had a problem. No. And then you get two lowlifes, two idiots, two morons, and decide they want to get into an argument. Well, look look how that turned out. It's yeah. tarnished, and we can't say that anymore. That's yeah. what teased me off. Yeah, it just and, and every it was over. The, the 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 celebration had just finished up. Everybody was heading out. We almost made it through it. But uh, no, it's just uh, it's uh, it's very sad that things like this have to happen. They don't have to happen. But they do, and 
I just want to say my thoughts and prayers to everybody affected in that. And yep. uh, we'll we'll pray. We'll come together because that's what we Kansidians do. We come together because that's who we are. And uh, all the best to uh, everybody involved. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk some racing, Ryan. Uh, you and I were. <laughs> I hate to start off on a bad note. Well, if you start off bad, everything is uphill from there. You and I watched that truck race last night. That wasn't a truck race. And there was too much yellow flag action. There was 101 laps in that race that ran. The 52 of it was under caution Yeah, that's... because these guys couldn't get out of their own way. And, and they're and they're they're wrecking 15 laps into it, making moves they had no business making. Let's, well, there was a, let's there was get a wreck right at the start of the race. Yeah, let's let's get settled, guys. We, let's... Before we could even get settled in, they were getting sideways. So I don't know what the answer is to all of that. There's not a lot of practice. There, we don't practice much at Daytona anymore. You have you have inexperience in said vehicle, and you're going to just throw them in and say, "All right." Go, boys. You can't do that. And the ARCA race really wasn't a whole lot better late last night. And, and you can't test. NASCAR's not letting yeah. you do the test that they used to. Right. Yeah, you just don't have enough practice. But you know what? In the ARCA race, which was supposed to be today at noon, they moved it ahead because of the bad weather forecast. So they ran that. I think they started at after 10 o'clock last night. It, it didn't get, to be honest with you, I had to set my DVR. I had to get some sleep last night. I woke up this morning and saw I, the end I, of After it. the last, what, like 15 laps left for the truck yeah. race, I turned my lights out. I'm like, you guys go at yeah. it. I'm, I'm going to sleep. So Gustine wins the ARCA race uh, last night. He drives for Venturini Motorsports. Congratulations to him. And I love the Victory Lane interview last night that Gustine had. He grew up in Georgia and dreamed of coming to Daytona and doing what he did. And it doesn't matter that this is not the NASCAR Cup Series. Winning a race at Daytona was everything to him. And the highlight of the whole night was his Victory Lane interview last night. So hats off to Gus Dean for not only doing it on the racetrack, but delivering the goods in his Victory Lane interview. You, you, you give me a tricycle and I'm going to win at Knoxville. That's a Knoxville win. I don't yeah, care what I'm in. It is. That, it's the same thing, if, and like Eldora Speedway or Knoxville, you know, Indianapolis. If you win in Indianapolis, it doesn't matter what race it's in. You can put little fringes on the handlebars yeah. and give me a little ringy bell on the side, and I'm ringing that thing all the way across the finish line. That's you win that's a race at Daytona, it doesn't matter. It's still a race at Daytona. And also congratulations to Nick Sanchez, who was the winner of the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series event. And we've seen Nick Sanchez win a couple of races out here at Kansas Speedway. He's won a couple of ARCA races out here. That's how we first became aware of Nick Sanchez. He's from Miami, Florida, and I think he's a rising star. And he got it done last night in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Let's hear from Nick Sanchez uh, after his victory last night. Pretty wild race obviously what happened to us earlier um kind of set the tone for it but yeah right there i mean it was just classical daytona right overtime restarts you know the odds of us finishing under green weren't really well um so i knew i was gonna have to pretty much take the lead on the white flag and hope they wrecked and uh that happened and yeah it was kind of odd because you know the, the our restart played out the same uh in consecutive restarts with the 
seven and seventy one getting connected and kind of getting too big of a lead and literally the same thing happened uh me and the 17 passed him so yeah that was kind of odd i wasn't really expecting that to happen honestly i kind of thought i lost the race there on the last restart but yeah it worked out uh that is nick sanchez and the 71 rajah karuth uh maybe it precipitated that he still was able to come in third in that race but we had a truck get upside down ryan uh taylor gray got up turned up into the fence and he flipped what maybe twice and then landed on all four of his wheels which may have been worse if he did not have landed on top of another truck kind of softened the blow a little bit but right he, at the he end, was there to help him they called the race fall. they called the race uh as they always do when the yellow comes out after the white flag out but that crash and the truck taylor gray's truck getting upside down was a pretty crazy way to end it I, I, I still say the bunch racing is what's causing a majority of the problem. These, these, these cars, trucks, whatever, they need to have a little bit of throttle response. They need to have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of space. I mean, you can still, you can still run with space, but the, the, these guys aren't experienced enough to do the pack racing. Well, they, I think they need more practice. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> these guys haven't had enough track time out there in these trucks. And the package changes a little bit from year to year. It's not necessarily the same as it was last year. So I think when, and that's another thing that I miss at Daytona, is there's not enough buildup to the 500 like we used to have. And part of that is they moved the Clash to the Coliseum. And I'd like to see the Clash come back to Daytona myself. Uh, but there's, I don't think there's enough on-track activity. Yes, we have the dual races on Thursday night, but there was no practice for the cup cars before they brought them out for single-car qualifying on Wednesday night. We had no practice session for the even, cup even cars at the, even at the clash. until they qualified those cars. Yeah, they didn't even, and plus on top of that, they had to rush everything to get it done because California was about ready to get pounded with their storms. So they were even accelerating their schedule from then. So the guys were had hadn't even been in the cars all year. They get in the car, hey, go qualify. But I don't think that was ever in the schedule for them to practice. Hmm. I don't think what happened at LA had any effect on the schedule at Daytona because I don't think they were ever planning on practicing these cars before qualifying. So the first on-track activity for the Cup cars was single-car qualifying on Wednesday night. And the first time that these cars are out on the track together was during the dual races on Thursday night. Now, the dual races went fine. We didn't have a whole lot. We Yes, we did have incidents in the race, but the racing was good. I, I, didn't, ha- I didn't have an issue with the racing and the dual races. I'm not sure how much we're going to glean from that of what uh, we take into the Daytona 500 and try to handicap this race based on what happened on Thursday night. But probably the biggest thing that surprised me was the Toyotas doing as well as they did. Yeah. Well, they, they and, that, and everyone was talking about the Fords. And you, you, Joey Logano and Michael McDowell sitting in the front row, and all of a sudden here come the Toyotas, and... It's almost like they were hiding a little bit. They were kind of setting back, and they're going to surprise you, and <laughs> look what happened. I mean, that's not bad. The Fords, Fords are opening up their eyes, and Chevy's going to be going, we need we need to get this going because usually if you're talking Chevy, you're talking Richard Childress at Daytona. 
Yeah, I mean, both Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell only led one lap, and that was right at the very end. That's all you need. So we really had no idea how these cars went to race because they changed the Fords, they changed the front ends on the Toyotas a little bit, so we had no idea until they got out in race conditions how these cars were going to react. So if anything that we were able to glean from those races on Thursday night, these Toyotas look strong, and the Fords may be not as strong as what we earlier thought. We're not going to know till Monday because I'm not counting on Sunday. I looked at the uh, forecast, and it's anywhere from 40% to 80%. I saw an 85 to 90% chance of rain both days. So. Yeah, I, it's, I'll wait till Monday. That's God, what's going to happen. I'm, I'm betting on it. <laughs> I hate hearing you say that. Know. You know the good news about all that, Ryan? We're not down there waiting it out. <laughs> waiting we're sucks. Just, uh, <laughs> we're back here in Kansas City, so that's, that's probably the good news for uh, you and me. So would you rather deal with the rain or 12-degree, 10-degree weather when you woke up this morning? That was shocking. <laughs> how cold it was this morning. But anyway, that, let's, talk, uh, let's talk briefly before we bring Steve Post on about some of the dirt racing going on. And, Ryan, I think you agree with me that the activity at Volusia awesome. Speedway Park has been outstanding. Oh, awesome. And I I made the comment to you, uh, can you imagine how many track championships Devin Moran would have if he lived in Volusia and that was his home track? Back, he's, the last few years, he's been nails. You know, Bobby Pierce takes a little bit of a break. He comes back. He's getting a couple gators. Uh, I, I think some of the surprises have been Ricky Thornton Jr. has gotten a couple wins, but man, he broke last night, right? And coming out of turn four, about created a melee. He's had some problems. He's not on some good lists right now earlier in the season when they were running at All Tech, and it's going to be interesting. It's, it's already getting spicy. Last night, Devin Moran led the whole way, and I've never been more impressed with a late model driver than I was out of Devin Moran last night. For him to pull that off last night, he had to change his lines. And a lot of times when you're leading these races, you have no idea what's going on behind you and what people are trying to do. Chris Madden did all he could to try to make that slide move on Devin Moran, and Devin Moran able to hang on. I thought I didn't think he was going to be able to. He said he, in, he said in the uh, post-race that his dad was setting a one and two and telling him to run the slider line. He said if if his dad wasn't there doing that, he probably wouldn't have won. His dad, the million-dollar man. Million-dollar man told him to run the slider line. And when dad tells you to run the slider, you run the slider. There's a reason for it. and That helped him, didn't it? Yeah. He, he said that the track kind of changed. It got more slick than they thought it would. Um, but, yeah. Chris Madden is just—he's obviously he's going to get his, but he has been so close this year. All right, we'll talk more about uh, the dirt racing. We got a lot to talk about there, and uh, a lot of the other things that's going on in the world of racing. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to switch gears back to Daytona and talk to Steve Post from the Motor Racing Network and Wing Nation, and we'll do that all. When we return here on Track Talk, brought to you by Rod End Supply and the Power Eye Midwest Lightning Sprints. Coming right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Track Talk. 
Here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, I'm Kirk Elliott. Scott Trailer uh, seeing about his uh, lady uh, Deidre today, so we, we miss uh, Scott being here. Todd is out too. We got Ryan Raglan helping us out here today. So we got all kinds of different things going on. Uh, but the biggest thing going on right now is at Daytona International Speedway. You'll hear the coverage of the Daytona 500. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Steve Post will be roaming the uh, pit lane, doing the uh, pit lane coverage for the Motor Racing Network. He's joining us right now. Steve, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, I am doing well. Hope all is well out there. Man, it sounds like, uh, sounds like you're a couple men down, but we got the right man in position here with you, Kirk, uh, to keep the ship flo- keep the ship afloat. Uh, we got to do it. You know, I, I said this is one of our big shows of the year. I, I always say the two big shows that we got the whole year are this weekend, because the Daytona 500, and when Knoxville Nationals rolls around in August. So, uh, you know, we got, got, got a lot of pressure on us here to deliver the goods, but uh, glad you're with us here last night. Uh, let's talk about, uh, I, I don't want to talk about the truck, I'm going to get to that, the, the truck race last night here in just a little bit, but I want to talk about what's going on in the Cup Series as we had the dual races on Thursday night, and Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell emerged victorious in the Toyotas. What did we learn from those dual races on Thursday night that we can figure out what's going to happen in the Daytona 500? That's a great question, Kurt. I think we learned that there's a couple of the uh, a couple of the favorites that uh, are really comfortable with their race car, uh, and and this also goes in. We had a one-hour practice session that we did yesterday on MRN, so we got a chance to talk to some of the some of the folks in the garage area during that. Um, just feel um, it, he he didn't get the win. But Denny Hamlin from the back to the front, and we understand his understanding of, uh, of Daytona 500s. He's a three-time champion. Um, and even watching their pit area yesterday during that practice session, they are very, very confident, very, very comfortable. Uh, similarly, a guy that, that, that has had success here at Daytona, not nearly as much career-wise, uh, I chatted actually in our practice show with Michael McDowell, and he is, he is just darn near giddy with how good his race car is. And we saw him in the dual race. Um, we saw him in the dual race, run up front, run up front, run up front. And when it got a little bit hairy, I mean, when I say he threw out the parachute, he, he was, he was half a, uh, half a straightaway behind everybody because he did not want to ding up what he knew was a good race car. He said that he learned a lot and learned enough in that, in that dual race to know what he has. So I, I think there's a couple guys that are, that are really good on this. I'm going to be fascinated to see what a couple of our, our sprint car guys, um, Christopher Bell and uh, Kyle Larson, um, they both have shown good speed at times uh, and, and, and talked to Kyle on Wednesday night. And, Kyle, I said, what is missing? You have conquered every form of motorsport known to mankind, yet you can't get this speedway stuff figured out yet. And he says, I just make a wrong decision late in the race. And he's been watching film. He's been watching tape. He's been talking to people, and and we'll see. Similarly, Christopher Bell has ran good. I don't didn't talk to him. Don't know specifically where he's at with it. He did pick up the win in the dual race. I think a couple of our dirt track guys could could factor into this thing as well. You know, I got a theory about that on uh, Kyle Larson, Steve. I've watched enough of him race. He's so instinctive out on the racetrack, and that's what makes him so good. That uh, he just uh, he doesn't think about a lot of the moves that he makes. He just feels it. And when you're racing on these uh, super speedways like Talladega and Daytona, that kind of a mindset could 
could hurt you a little bit. That that, that being instinctive may not be the best uh, a trait to have when you're out there making decisions out on the racetrack. But uh, he's he's an instinctive driver, and a lot of times that hurts you on these super speedways. Kurt, I think your I think your assessment is, is is spot on with him on that. I think I think I think there's an instinct. I think there's a sense. I think there's a feel you need to have because I. But just we always talk about we come here and anybody could win this race. Well, if anybody could win this race, how come Denny Hamlin has won it three times? McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Ryan Blaney, Corey LaJoy are always at the front of the pack. There, there is. I think I think instinct is the proper word, but I think Kyle is more seat of the pants instinct. Right. Where those other guys, Denny Hamlin and, and Michael McDowell, are calculated in that they they have a sense, they have that instinct, they have that feel. But it's what's this going to look like on the backstretch? What's this going to look like next time by? And I think that's a I think that's a different skill set. I think it's I think both are instinct. I, I agree with you, Kyle. You see Kyle in a sprint car, or a dirt late model, or a midget car, and it's like his his instincts are instantaneous, seat of the pants. And I think we're that needs to be adapted in this kind of racing. Is that it, it needs to be a half a lap ahead, um, a, a full lap ahead. And he, here's the thing: I am 100 percent confident that Kyle figures this out. I, I just am. I'm, sure. I, I remember a victory lane with him a year or so back in Martinsville. He climbed out of the car in victory lane, and he said, of all the racetracks on planet Earth, I never thought I'd ever win here. If he can figure Martinsville out, he can figure Daytona and Talladega out, and, 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 and maybe he figures it out on Sunday afternoon, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, yeah, and, and the Indy car, that, that's going to be a fascinating thing for us to watch uh, when he makes that attempt at the Indianapolis 500, because that, that even, even more so. Uh, that you can't, you know, just do a lot of instinctive things in that type of racing to see if he masters that. That's gonna yep. that's gonna be a fascinating thing to watch. Uh, Christopher Bell is, uh, you know, we we've all seen him on the dirt, but he's a different type of driver than than Kyle Larson. He's a more thinking man's driver, and I think it seemed like he even surprised himself how well he did the other night. Yeah, he did. He has a joke. He has a running joke with Adam Stevens, his crew chief. His running joke with Adam Stevens, his crew chief, is a win at Daytona or Talladega is 100% luck. Um, they, they, I, I, and I think, I, I think similarly, he, he needs to learn just what to do. You know, I mean, and, and again, it's an, it's an, it's a, it's an instinct, it's a sense, and, and he is, he is very different than Kyle Larson. It's, it's, it's certainly not the same. And I, I think Christopher is closer to, to figuring that out and, you know, and, and, and got the win. And so I, I joked around with him in victory lane. I said, you know, you and Adam have this long-running joke that it's 100% luck. Well, was it just lucky that you got here, or did you have some skill? And he laughed. You know, Christopher's such a uh, just a just a humble young man, and he's just got that childlike smile. And he laughed. He said, No, nah, I'm still going with 100% luck. You know, but um, I think he's uh, I think he's sorting it out. Uh, that's where I think he's at with it. Um, and, and and he's. He's in a he's in a good spot. Not that Kyle's not a good spot, but he's in a good spot because he's teammates with the guy that's figured it out the most here in our, our recent times, Denny Hamlin. And and I know for a fact Christopher Bell studies everything Denny does on these racetracks. And so um, we'll we'll just see where Christopher goes with it. But um, that's that, that that's not a bad pick. Uh, if we're going to have a new winner of the the Daytona 500, I'm not sure Christopher Bell's too far out on the line because I think he's I think he's zeroing in on this skill set and on the way to win these races. 
The people at Toyota got to be pretty happy about what they've seen so far. I don't think anybody really knew how well they would run, but uh, they opened up a lot of eyes just how how well they ran in race trim the other night. Yeah, they really did. Their qualifying effort lacked quite a bit, but their race trim package was really good. And, and the big thing with Toyota is is that in the past there's only been six Toyotas. And so when you look at these races getting to the end, once we get to the end, all bets are off. Okay, let's just establish that. But getting to the end is a, is, is a chess match, and sometimes it's a manufacturer's chess match. You know, and six Toyotas, and then you, you lose one or two of them in a, in, in a crash, you're in a position where you have got to, you can't dictate your own strategy. You've kind of got to glom on to, to a group of Fords or a group of Chevys to, to do your pit sequencing and to do your pit stops. They have nine cars now with the addition of Legacy Motor Club and Jimmy Johnson racing his way in. They have nine cars now, and it's going to be fun to watch to see Toyota for the first time in their history will be able to establish their own strategy. As far as the way this race unfolds, I have no idea what that is, but they will be able to establish it, and they will not have to just glom onto somebody else. And it, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. I mean, obviously, Denny Hamlin is good. Martin Truex Jr. has done everything but one at this racetrack. We know Bubba Wallace is so good at this style of racing. Eric Jones has won here at Daytona before. They've got some really heavy hitters in that camp that know what they're doing. Jimmy Johnson's a Daytona 500 champion, as a matter of fact, a two-time champion. So they, they've got some really big hitters in that camp that know what they do. And I, I think, it, I, I think, Toyota could be in for a really good day tomorrow afternoon. And Ricky Stenhouse Jr. proved last year you don't have to be a mega team to win this race. Michael McDowell proved that a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I and I actually talked to Ricky yesterday, and he's uh, he dinged up his race car a little bit in a in a mix up during the dual race, uh, but they've got a new nose on it. They're they're this morning they're they're decaling that up and getting it all getting it all looking pretty to go through tech and everything. But um, he uh, he also. Uh, was very happy with his car. Man, he made one move, Kirk. He made one move where he swooped around the outside of a couple of them, and it's like, Lord have mercy. If he can do that alone. Um, but Ricky, understa- Ricky, Ricky understands this racing extremely well. And so he understands momentum, and he understands he can pull those moves off, and he can pull those moves off at lap 199 with the best of them. And so Ricky is good. So so chatted with him yesterday after his practice session, and he said the 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 car is right back to where it was at. It's a winning car, uh, a capable car of winning the Daytona 500 um, from the damage they sustained from the dual race. And uh, what they do here in Daytona, Kirk, is, as, as you're aware of, they keep the car. In, uh, in the museum down here, they have the American, uh, Motorsports, uh, or International Motorsports Museum down here at Daytona. They keep the car in there, and Ricky's already talked to the folks about why don't we just swap out and put this year's car in, in, uh, and take last year's car home. So, uh, they're feeling really good about their chances as well. Uh, Joey Logano on the pole. The Fords look fast in qualifying, but are they a little bit nervous, uh, after Thursday night about how well they're going to race? Um, yeah, well, I don't know. The, the, the challenge again, uh, Joey's good at this style of racing. He's won the Daytona 500. A lot of that is this style of racing. Um, Ryan Blaney, R- Ryan Blaney is always so good here. He wadded up a car, but he told us yesterday in a practice show that this backup car, he did not even know it was a different car. 
Yeah, no, that's how good the Penske assembly is of these cars and the detail, the attention to detail. So, um, no, I don't sense there's a lot of concern there. Um, and, and, and again, uh, McDowell is, McDowell is downright confident. You know, I mean, I, do, I didn't get a chance to catch up with Joey yesterday to see where he's at after the dual races. Blaney's feeling really, really good about the race car. Uh, so, no, I, I think that's the fascinating thing about this, this 500 we have, Kurt, is, to me, it's 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 kind of wide open. I think there's I think there's some I think there's some drivers in every camp that you could could see winning the Daytona 500 and not really be a shocker. So uh, I think we're in for uh, I think we're in for a good one. I'm not even going to try to predict this thing. You can't predict the winner of the Daytona 500, can you? No, I don't think so because you know, first off, first off, there's a there's a percentage of of, of good picks that are going to be eliminated in crashes. You know, and then, you know, now if we're looking at this thing with five laps to go, you know, I might be able to have a little pick because you're, you, you, you kind of know who the players are at the front of the field. But the, 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 the challenge of this race, this, we, we were talking about this race, Kurt, and this race, this race sometimes seems like a three or four chapter book. You know, you have, you know, you'll be sitting there in the Daytona 500 and you said, remember back on lap 50 when so and so was leading this race? Where did he go? You know, and this race, for whatever, reads like a reads like a three or four chapter story, and so you've got to navigate those three and a half chapters to get to the final chapter of this race. And I think that I, I think that that that's part of what leads to the uncertainty and the difficulty to pick. Um, you know, if, if Denny Hamlin's around toward the end of this thing, then 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 he's a pretty good pick to make. But uh, getting to the end of these things sometimes is uh, is, is the bigger challenge. All right, we don't know what Mother Nature's going to do. I looked at this forecast, Steve. I don't like what I see, but are they going to be able to get a happy hour practice? Are we going to be able to get any practice in before the Daytona 500? Well, I mean, we had the hour yesterday, and, and conventional wisdom in the garage area was that that might be the only hour of practice we get. So okay. everybody put everything on the line for that practice session. Um, just kind of monitoring stuff here. We have a crew out there. I'm actually not on this practice session, and uh, we had a crew over there, and right now uh, track drying is going on, at least the last I'd heard from our team. So I don't know, and I don't know that this practice session is as high a priority. The, the other thing we have going on before the Xfinity race is Xfinity qualifying, and there is more cars than spots. And so to me, if they get the track dry, do we give the cup cars another hour of practice, or do we work toward that Xfinity series qualifying because there are teams that, have a big impact because they'll fail to qualify if we don't get a qualifying run. So I don't know that we get any more practice in, and I hadn't heard the latest from out at the racetrack. But I'm with you. This forecast does not look good, though. I mean, we're, we, we have a, a, a core group of us, the contingent of us, and we were all there doing that ARCA race until God only knows what time this morning. Our, our, the powers to be here, um, they have have a, they have a couple of us that are kind of stationed back at the hotel just to kind of be getting a little R&R &R and, uh, and, and, and not be doing the full day at the racetrack because uh, it, it could be a long day by the time we get there, and, and, and nobody knows what to expect. All right, Steve, I, I, I hate to close out in a, uh, a more sour note, but uh, I saw too many yellow flags last night in that truck race. Too many yes. yellow flags. Okay, so I, I'm going to go back to November. We had one of the worst races, and, I, and I'll be—I'll just be totally blunt. Yep. We had one of the worst races that I've ever been a part of with the Truck Series Championship race at Phoenix. Left that racetrack with a bad taste. Just like, man, 
If I never do one of these races again, that would be all right. And I love this sport, and I love the truck series, and I love those drivers. But I am telling you, that was embarrassing last year. All winter long, we heard that they're going to have, for lack of a better term, a come to Jesus meeting. You know, before Daytona to get the to get the troops ready to run. Well, I don't know if the drivers didn't attend. I don't know if Jesus didn't attend. I don't know what happened because I saw nothing different. That was we are the last two truck series races have been an embarrassment. Yes, and I don't know what we do about it. There's, there's almost, there's, there's, you don't have enough fingers on your hands, my hands, Scott's hands, um, anybody else's hands to point all the fingers. They need to figure this out because right now this is this this is the the championship race and the first race of the next season have not been their best efforts and not even close to their best efforts. Kurt, you know and I know we've been following the truck series since it started. The truck series is capable of some of the best racing in NASCAR, and what we've seen the last two is some of the worst racing we've seen. They need to get it sorted out, tightened up. I don't know how they do that, but it is a mess right now. Well, congratulations to Nick Sanchez. What a a win for him last night. Good for him. This This is why I love the truck series. I, I have been so high on Nick Sanchez when he first slid into an ARCA car two or three years ago, and I watched him in a race. I think it was Watkins Glen or Kansas or somewhere, and I said, man, that is the real deal. Uh, I've gotten to know Nick a little bit and followed along with him, and that's the frustration of the truck series because we have such a great story with Nick Sanchez getting the win. He is a future rock star in this sport, and yet he has to be out there parading around and riding around under caution uh, and, and everything else. It, it is a great win for Nick Sanchez, a great win for, for, for really everybody in the NASCAR community. Nick is uh, of, uh, of um, Hispanic, of uh, Cuban descent. He's part of the Rev Racing Diversity Program. He has done a great job coming up through Legends and Bandoleros and Late Model Stocks and Arkham Menard Series, and here he is now a Truck Series winner. That was a great win last night for Nick Sanchez. And the other highlight of the night, you had to stay up late for it, was the Victory Lane interview of Gus Dean after that Arca race last night. That was cool. Yeah, Gus, Gus is such a great guy and uh, just a hardcore racer from over in South Carolina and uh, lost his grandfather two weeks ago and a very emotional win at Daytona. It's his third ARCA win. He'd won at Talladega. He'd won up at Alco in Minnesota, but... Uh, he, uh, I, I, I started with that. I said, you know, you've won at Talladega, you've won at Elko, now you've won at Daytona. And he said, this is the greatest coliseum, the greatest sports facility on the planet. And he was very emotional. And then he shared a little bit about his grandfather as well, who had passed two weeks ago. So, yeah, really, really good win for, for Dustine. Really good stuff. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Really appreciate it. I guess we just don't know uh, when these races, we just have to monitor throughout the day and just see how everything goes, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're all on standby, stand down, standby, stand something. Uh, we'll have to wait and see when we find that, uh, find that window to get things opened up. We are going to get these races in. We know that. We just don't. Yes, know we will. Yeah. We always do. It has stopped raining at the, the previous rain record is 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> um, but we will get the races in. Actually, it clears out somewhat. There is some speculation that Sunday night it might clear out. It's just a matter of when and if that actually happens. And, uh, we'll see what happens. We might have, we might have a few of them or one of them or two of them on Monday afternoon, but we will get the races in. Thanks, Steve. Talk to you soon. We watch you on Wing Nation too. So good job on all that. So thank you, Kirk. Always a pleasure. All right. Check you later. There he is, Steve Post, Motor Racing Network, previewing the Daytona 500. And we're going to hear some sound from 
uh, Tyler Reddick and Christopher Bell and Pole Center Joey Logano when we come back. And we are here on Track Talk on a Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. You know, I want to say uh, there's really three weekends that are big for us. I said this weekend with the Daytona 500 going on and the Knoxville Nationals in August, I, there's really a, a, a third one that is big for us, and that's the weekend of the Chili Bowl that we had here a couple of weeks ago. So those three race weekends kind of stand out more so than the others for the racing boys. And, and of course, you got to throw in the two NASCAR weekends at Kansas Speedway as well. So uh, we could start adding them up pretty quick. But uh, this certainly is one of our big shows. And uh, we talk about the Daytona 500 because that is the great American race, the biggest race in NASCAR. And uh, we don't know when they're going to get this race in. 80, 90% chance of rain both today and tomorrow, but... You know, they'll get it in someday. I'm kind of like you, Ryan. I think we're kind of looking towards maybe Monday. I just checked my phone, and there's a breaking news that animals are walking two by two down the road. Uh-oh. They don't know where they're going, but they're following them. And some guy with a long beard has a bunch of bunch of two-by-fours and a hammer. So uh, that, I, don't, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that scenario. Let's hear from... Uh, Joey Legato, who set the uh, got the pole position on Wednesday night, driving a Ford. He's won the Daytona 500 in 2015, going for his second Daytona 500 Harley Earls Trophy on Sunday. And uh, here's Joey Legato after he won the pole on Wednesday night. I think it helps on, on some things. You know, when other drivers see that you have a fast car, I, I really think that speedway racing is all about reputation. And if you have a fast car with a driver that understands the draft, cars will go with you uh, more often. And, you know, it makes you more confident to put this thing out in the wind. You know, it, it's going to pull a lane. You know, it's got the speed that you, know, you put it out front. It's going gonna, it's gonna to tote the lane forward. Um, that's what you want. And so as a driver, you know, it puts you in a pretty good spot. You know, when, when uh, I got the team that I have behind me, um, you know, with the spotter with Coleman, myself, understanding the draft really well. Our pit crew seems to be lights out right now uh, in practice. Uh, things are looking really good. So um, we just have to go out there and execute our, our job at this point. Um, we all know how to do that, but we got a, we got a good bullet in, in the chamber right now to fire away and see what we got. There he is, Joey Logano, and moving to the Thursday night dual races, Tyler Reddick was able to grab the lead right at the very end of that race and kind of a surprise move there at the end. Tyler Reddick, driving for 23-11, comes through with the dual one victory. Uh, most of our night was was not great, uh, you know, coming to pit road. About wrecked again. I've gotten pretty good at that. Uh, but we survived that. That was fortunate. Um, you know, we lost Martin there on that cycle, but uh, we come back off pit road, we had good steam. The cars were working good together. We were a little four, a little tiny pack of four cars, but we had some good momentum. So we were kind of cutting up through the, you know, the <clears throat> the rest of the cars that pitted a little bit later, uh, that weren't quite up to speed yet. So that worked out okay. You know, I feel like we were probably gonna end up fifth or so um, before that caution came out. When that happened, you know, it was just just kind of trying to determine, 
you know, if Logano was going to go behind Ty or not. So once that happened, I kind of just decided to go closest to the front. And, uh, you know, Josevar, uh, Chase, and Kyle were in front of me, and I was just trying to push them as hard as I can. Uh, Carson couldn't really get going until you know, the last lap or so. I think he was kind of waiting. Um, gave him a good shot. Him and Chase got together, and they went to the bottom, and it kind of opened up the perfect opportunity for me. So, yeah, just got the cow's back bumper and got clear to the bottom and took it. Tyler Reddick, winner of Duel 1, Christopher Bell, much the same. In Duel 2, emerged right at the very end, another Toyota grabbing the victory circle in the duel at Daytona. Uh, I was very, very nervous whenever the restart lined up, and uh, we had only, what, four cars, maybe four or five, and then the rest of the field was lined up on the outside, and I thought we were in trouble. And then, uh, yeah, this, the, the new Camry really showed its strength with myself, John Hunter, and Denny on the bottom line being able to, uh, you know, move our way back up forward um, compared to the Fords on the outside. So that was very rewarding to be able to have that pace and, and claw back to the front. And then, uh, you know, in the closing laps, um, I was with Denny, and we had a good, a good line going with myself and John Hunter and Denny all in a row, and then the Fords got a big run on the last lap, and then uh, it was just a matter of Stevie Reeves, my spotter, you know, getting me up to pick up the push from the 21 car, and, um, you know, then I was able to gain the momentum and, and get alongside Denny. So uh, it was very rewarding and refreshing to be able to make the right moves at the end of these races uh, because I've certainly made the wrong moves many of times. There he is. We've got a little bit of uh, echo coming back there, Ryan, so I've got it out. Okay. Uh, let's hear from uh, Denny Hamlin real quick. He is a three-time winner of this race. Let's talk about Denny Hamlin's thoughts about uh, winning his fourth. It's very similar uh, to, to what we had in the past. I think, you know, how you connect to cars and, and how long you can stay attached is really circumstantial to what kind of technique you use to get there, and then do you have enough push coming from behind? Um, you know, maybe I, I noticed that I can get pushed a little bit straighter than what I than what it was in the past, but um, it's tough for me to say. It's still not enough time and data points to really pinpoint exactly what exactly is different. So he's uh, going in like everybody else. We'll just wait and see what happens and see how it all plays out, but there's nobody better prepared to adjust on the fly than Denny Hamlin with as much experience as he has. Two-time winner Jimmy Johnson had to race his way in in Thursday night's qualifying round. Here's Jimmy Johnson in the Daytona 500 after racing his way in. I was so fortunate for so many years uh, to not have to worry about getting in on speed for a variety of different reasons. And Last year, you know, went went well. We got in on speed, but to go through that just now and literally have it come down to the last hundred yards of uh, the duel, that wasn't in my playbook. And um, I'm glad I prepared as I did. I'm glad the team was ready. Um, you know, we had a very fast car. Unfortunately, with the crash that took place, that I was caught up in and pitting, just had us in a awkward position at the back of the field in the last car in either lane. And it's just tough to make something happen. And um, you know, coming through three and four, there was an almost wreck again, and JJ chose one lane, I chose the middle lane, and uh, the middle lane prevailed by the time we got the start finish. It was just as simple as that. And there is Jimmy Johnson. You can hear the Daytona 500 live on our sister station, uh, ESPN Kansas City. 
And so tune in for that. We don't know what time it's going to be. It's scheduled to be uh, early afternoon tomorrow, but it doesn't look like that's probably not going to happen that way. So we'll just have to uh, make sure that uh, we monitor all the activities, social media, and see when all these races are going to play out. The Xfinity race scheduled for 3 o'clock this afternoon. So that is uh, that is it. That's all we can tell you right now. And mo- mostly motorsports on Monday here on Racing Boys. We'll talk all about it and all the other activity. Stay with us Hour 2 exclusively on Racing Boys and our Facebook and YouTube pages. We'll be back here again next Saturday morning. Scott Trailer will be rejoining us as well. We thank you for tuning in. We appreciate Ryan Ragland being here. Beckett Rasmussen back at Sports Radio 810. Thanks to Rod End Supply for sponsoring the show. And we wish you a great weekend. Thanks for joining us here on Sports Radio 810 WHB's Track Talk.